HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's January 13th, 2015, one of our first shows of the year. We've got three new breweries in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, we've got uh, the brewers and, and owners with us today. So we're going to have a great show. Uh, thanks to our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors in New York City. Uh, they're a great distributor with a comprehensive website aimed at bringing the beer community together. If you have any questions, you can tweet us at, at beer underscore sessions. Maggie's tweeting live, so... Uh, Make sure you tag uh, and listen in at beer underscore sessions. So we're really proud to be on Heritage Radio Network. It's uh, we've just finished five years as Beer Sessions Radio. So looking forward to the sixth year. Uh, one of the things we've been we've been happy to see the rise of are all these great new breweries. And I I was talking to Meredith. Um, from Bearded Ladies today, and I said, you know, the funny thing is, is with our guests coming on the show, I really think that the future of, of small breweries is only going to grow. It's like, you know, in the old days, every every neighborhood, there was room for a coffee bar in every neighborhood. There was a place that had soup, and I kind of feel that way about breweries right now, and we've got a great representation. We're going to go around the room, and, and each brewery, you guys, introduce yourself, so we'll make it an, an e- even introduction. So, Andrew, take it away. So, my name is Andrew Unterberg. I'm one of the um, owners of Threes Brewing. Uh, we're located in the Gowanus section of Brooklyn. Uh, on Douglas, uh, Douglas Street, 333 uh, Douglas Street. Um, we are uh, open as of three, four weeks ago, um, and we are a brewery. We're also a restaurant, bar, and event space. Well, you, you, you're space. a much-anticipated opening because I know you've got Greg Dorowski, who is a brewer at Greenport Harbor, who's been on the show many times. And I know since since last year we've been waiting for you to open. I got, I think, the first shipment of, of some threes at Jimmy's number 43 this weekend, and uh, we're, you're going to be on, on draft all this week. So uh, congratulations. I'm really glad you guys got open. Well, thanks for having us here, and thank you for having us at Jimmy's 43. You know, it's, it's one of our favorite spots, and uh, we, we appreciate it. 
and we're gonna we're gonna get back and, and really find out what went into you guys getting open and uh, all the little special w- bells and whistles you have. But I know you got you have a restaurant, you got an event space. So that's one type of brewery that's opening. You're, you're, you're kind of like a, a big restaurant brewery, and uh, we expect to do a lot of great things with you. And uh, next up, um, we, we're going back old school. We got some two young guys that uh, did some home brewing, and uh, they opened up with, as a contract brewer. Why don't you guys introduce yourself too? Because I can't remember everybody's name today. <laughs> Uh, my name is Eric Feldman. I'm joined by Marshall Thompson, sitting just to my left here. And we are the co-founders and brewers for Braven Brewing Company, based out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. So you guys decided to, uh, and your buddy say hi to. Yeah, hi. Uh, Marshall Thompson, co-founder also of Braven. So you guys decided to, to, to open as a contract brewing, like like several others have, like Radiant Pig, who are our buddies. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit more about where we can find you. You, you guys are currently distributed, you know. That's right. We yep. should, and we're all over Brooklyn. Uh, we've gotten to dozen about fifteen bars already so far. We've been we've actually only just started distributing last Sunday. So the fourth, January fourth was, which is also Marshall's birthday. Happy belated birthday! Yeah, yeah. It was the it was the first time we were actually out in bars. So that was a pretty big that was a pretty big moment for us. That's great. I mean, it, it's kind of been like that the last couple of years. Each year, as New York City Beer Week's coming up, uh, all these all great new breweries are opening up. So, welcome to the scene, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I think right now, um, as of this week, we're available all over Brooklyn, and we've gotten accounts in Queens, Manhattan, and in the Bronx now too. So, slowly getting all over the city now. And then our our, our third and, and and other new new fairly new uh, brewery is um, our good buddy Travis Kaufman. We knew him from, uh, he was part of Frankie's 457, Prime Meats. But now you actually have a standalone little old school nano brewery, right? In uh, Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. That's right. In Carroll Gardens, we're uh, producing some beer and have for the last uh, few months. We've had uh, a slow opening a few uh, months ago. And hopefully in the next couple of months, you'll see more and more of our beer out on the market. It's funny because I didn't really hear too much about you. So you have like more of like a soft opening. We had a very soft opening. Uh, we had our beer, you know, at Prime Meats, my, my family there, and then also you could find it at Owl Farm, uh, Gloria Baldi, uh, Bar Great Harry. All right. Well, this is a pretty good introduction, guys. Welcome to the show. Let's make a toast and join in the New Year. It's 2015. And um, Greg, let's let's talk first because uh, I knew you from Greenport Harbor, so you're like an accomplished professional brewer, and. Um, at what point did you get involved with Three's Brewing? And, and tell us a little bit about uh, the process, because I know you had your big undertaking. So uh, at, at Three's, uh, Andrew, Justin, and Josh had been working on the project for a real long time. We were talking about before the show, you know, we construction phase was nine months. Negotiating the lease was like nine months. It's, it's really been a long time in the making. So I came on board initially as a consultant to help them kind of figure out what size the brewery should be to help purchase equipment. And uh, over time, we just kind of developed a really good working relationship together. We talked about beer ideas. And, it, you know, my original plan was to help them hire a brewer. But over time, it became clear that we were going to do the project together. So uh, it it's kind of been a really long time in the making. And uh, as we were talking about before the show, you know, the first non brewery affiliated event i did last year was uh was brewer's choice and uh that's almost a year ago coming up with uh brewer's choice coming coming up i'm glad you're making beer again so uh this is the first time we're tasting your 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 threes brewing on air so what beer are we drinking first so we're drinking arboretum pale ale it's uh 
It's a mixed ferment pale ale, meaning that it uh, is brewed with both traditional brewer's yeast and uh, Britannomyces in the primary fermentation. And uh, this beer resulted from kind of a exploration uh, and a search for kind of a, a fruitier flavor profile um, without some of the bitterness that you typically get when you, you know, load a bunch of hops into a beer. And, uh, you know, we were searching for a traditional pale ale recipe. And uh, over time, we decided to split batches in half, did one with, uh, you know, the traditional 1056 California ale yeast, and did one uh, with both a, a, a Brett Saccharomyces blend, and this was the clear winner. It, it got us to that kind of fruity, you know, not bitter direction that we were going for. I think it's super sessionable. You know, it's, it's five, you know, low 5%, 5.2%. Uh, brewed with uh, Palisade, Cascade, and Centennial hops. You know, a little bit of wheat. It's nice and approachable. Um, you know, I think it's approachable enough for people that are just getting into beer, but it's also, it has layers of complexity that, that the geeks can appreciate, too. And I, I was impressed with the, the, you sent me four beers the other day. Uh, yeah, so we sent you Wandering Bine, uh, which is a mixed ferment saison, Mechanical Spring, which is a higher alcohol, kind of hoppier saison. Um, we sent you Arboretum Pale Ale and then Table Beer, which is uh, kind of a, a Whip Beer Saison Hybrid 4.2%. So we're uh, right now launching with a bunch of different Saisons. Um, and, you know, we also brought an IPA tonight because everyone loves IPA, including us. But, uh, you know, right now we're just kind of doing a bunch of different Saisons, farmhouse styles. We have a bunch of barrel age stuff going on. And uh, we're just kind of slowly getting it out there. That's great, and I'm I'm really impressed. You're starting with something besides focusing on IPAs. Like other half, we love their beers. They came out with kick-ass oh, IPAs awesome. out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice having saisons. Why did you guys go with that as a, as a starting approach? I think they were the styles that we all kind of gravitated towards. You know, um, for me personally, starting you know looking back to when I was a home brewer ten years ago, those were the styles that I brewed um, primarily because it was easy to elevate the temperature um, during fermentation. Um, as we all got together and talked about beer styles and, you know, started brewing pilot batches, those were the beers that we all like to drink. Um, I think they p pair particularly well with food because they're really dry. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're my favorite style of beer. And, uh, you know, I think we all really, really enjoy you know, this them. This past weekend I had an IPA crisis. I had, like, Maine Zoe IPA, had Firestone Union Jack IPA, had couple other in Sculpin from Ballast Point. At one point, I was like, I wanted something different, and, and that's when I put on your your The Wandering Vine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. I'm really looking forward to, to talking to you guys more time. Let's jump back over to so this, uh, I want to call it folksy, but it's folks beer. Folks beer. Uh, Travis. So you're like the sleeper out of the blue. I mean, you, you opened a brewery, and I never even heard about it until We opened very yesterday. quietly, and, you know, we, we had a lot of stuff to work out. There's, you know, very small staff, and, you know, we, we put the beer out there, and we're going to be putting a lot more beer out there, you know, looking for a month, month and a half out. Um, and, you know, we can produce a significant amount of beer, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully you'll be finding it soon. So what was your approach when you went into this venture? Uh, my approach was um, the slow roll. I started um, with the premise that I wanted to open a brewery with the least amount of money possible and really just got, you know, the smallest brewery that you can get. 
and started the process to get the license in it and did it over several years and slowly opened the brewery, you know, started making beer, did pilot brews, and, you know, now we're, we're at the point where we're ready to start serious distribution and, you know, hire more staff and really build a business. And if if I went to your brewery, just describe it to me physically. You know, you're you're on what Looker Street. We're on Looker Street. Yeah, it's uh, a warehouse that was used as a storage space. Um, and we took over um, the storage space and you know slowly converted it into a brewery. And it started very slow. Um, we sort of had like a little corner where we're doing our pilot brew, and we took over more and more of the space. Um, but the space was a warehouse uh, for manufacturing, so it's kind of an ideal spot. You can spray water and caustic and chemicals everywhere, and it's you know it works out. You know, rumor had it that, that you're, you're such a soft opening. I thought you were like in a basement of one of the Frankie's restaurants. That's funny, but that's not true. <laughs> you had your own space. Like, oh yeah, it's a nano brewery in the basement of a restaurant. That would be illegal. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually a great space for it. It was an electrical company um, early in the 1900s, and you know it's got huge bays and you know 15 foot ceilings, and it's really great. I'm very lucky. Did you bring any beer? I did bring some beer. Yeah, let's let's, let's crack that. That'll be our next beer. And I want to uh, ask you because uh, on your website, it's interesting. You listed your values, and some of them are like, we are a yeast farm. This ancient tradition. We make beer with our hands. Uh, the other guys, like um, you know, uh, Braven guys. I keep <laughs> you know. It's just too many new faces. On it's Marshall and Eric. Do you guys have an approach like that? I mean, I know you've got great you know logos and T-shirts, but did you ever have a, a values or a mission that inspired you when, when, when you started up your label? Well, we we also like a lot of the other new faces in brewing in New York right now. Started as home brewers. And a lot of that came out of what can you do in a New York City apartment. And the flavors from there were always a balance of what Marshall likes and what I like. It's He's more of an English kind of sweeter beer guy. I like really, really hobby beers, big hophead for it. And we found something right in the middle that made us both happy. And we figured if it could make both of us happy with such disparate flavor profiles and we can make it a New York City kitchen, then that's where we started. Then scaling up was a whole different set of issues, but that's how we got going. Yeah, but do you, anything type of mission or values that you did you like? You like? Oh, I, I like what Travis said. It's it's kind of cool. You go to the website. It's like you know we make beer with our hands. I mean, how, how did you? Do you really believe in, in these values that you wrote? You wanted to put that in front. I of really, your really do. Yeah. I mean, I had a long time to think about it when I was formulating the company, and you know, the best part of brewing for me is is brewing and interacting with the grains, and you know, really feeling the beer all the way through the process. So that was really important to me. And um, you know, you know, one of the founding values of our company for sure. Well, hats off, Dutras, because we, we definitely are really supportive, of like guys like Barrier, people that started with these real small systems. So, um, tell us in a minute about your beer. But first, I want to I want to keep talking to these guys. So, uh, who are they? Marshall and Eric, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Great to meet you. Yeah, They're like Braven, Braven yeah. boys. So, just look at their shirts. In your process of contracts, so you're, you're contracting with Old Saratoga Brewing upstate. Now, what, what, how did you work with them? Did you develop a recipe? Tell me about that process. Yeah, we've uh, we've been working on these recipes for probably two years. Um, we have a couple different recipes that we wanted to start with. Uh, uh, we have a black pale ale and a white IPA. Those are our first two flagships. And then we're also working on a Pilsner. Um, and these are the ones that we've settled on that we, we like to drink ourselves. Um, so we, we, st- we started with um, Old Saratoga after looking at a number of other uh, 
contract brewers pretty much all across the East Coast. And we really liked what they had to offer at Old Saratoga. We like that it's in New York State. Um, we can drive up there in a day and work with them on their system, which is what we did back in December. Um, and we have a really great working relationship with them. We know they make a lot of really great beers. And because of that relationship, we were able to talk them through that homebrew level recipe that we had and scaling it up. Uh, ingredient sourcing was a big deal because you're not going to get the same things both in terms of quality and availability. Like, there's just certain hops you're not going to get. Spices are much more potent at that level. And they were great at uh, telling us what they thought was going to happen, and we took our, our guesses, and then we just went with it. And while we were up there brewing, we actually had to adjust on the fly a couple times. We saw something coming out a little strong, or the, the flavor was just not where we thought it should be halfway through, so we had to pull up on it. And you pretty much just worked on those recipes on, on your homebrew kits before? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was uh, I don't know how many, over two dozen batches of the exact same beer over and over and over with different hops, uh, different yeast, um, different grains, until we got to a point where we were absolutely satisfied and thought that this is a beer that no one else is making right now. This is the, the best white IPA, especially, that we think we've had, and it's been really uh, well-received so far. That's great. There was a note about you guys. Um, were you in one of Josh Bernstein's homebrew tours or... You're familiar with Josh Bernstein? That's right. That was uh, our third batch out when we were homebrewing. He came through and we... Uh, our fifth? No, no, it was five years ago. Oh, five years ago. Yeah, five years ago this month? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that was a good moment to have 30 strangers come into my apartment and, and try, you know, stomp all over my floor and try uh, the beers that we had to offer. And everyone was smiling and they liked them and... Josh said, hey, guys, keep it up. And honestly, that sort of encouragement that early on is enough to really push it through. That's great. Well, thanks for joining me. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Today's program brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. In 1996, L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. All right, let's go. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's our one of our first January shows, January 13th, 2015. We've got three new Brooklyn breweries in the house with us. We've got Braven, we got Threes, and we got Folks Beer, not Folksies. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we're, we're drinking Travis uh, Kaufman from Folks, Folks Beer, Folksies. Um, what beer are we drinking? It's really nice. It's got uh, some you, color. Yeah, you have the, the Echo Maker, our Dark Rye Ale. Uh, and this beer, like a lot of our beers, is, you know, uh, a product of subtraction where, you know, it's basically the bare minimum amount of dark 
grains that you can put in a beer to make it uh, that color and that flavor. And I really wanted to make a nice, dry, uh, easy-drinking dark beer that, that, you know, even if you close your eyes and drank it, you might even think it's a light beer. What's that nose, Greg? It's... I definitely get like big English character from that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, it's it's got, you know, it, it's just enough rye kind of flavor in the background, um, and I think you're right. It's not. If you were drinking this, you know, I know that it's not like a pale ale, let's say, but it doesn't. It doesn't drink as dark as it is, if that makes any sense. Um, I think the yeast profile is really nice on it, and it works really, really well uh, with with the grain. You put together. It, it's really, really nice. Awesome. Thank like, you. Very crushable. Yeah. I dig it. Try to make very quaffable beers that, you know, have, all, you know, although they're light, they have a lot of characters to them and they have a lot of a lot of things going on without being saccharine or, you know, giving you, you know, anything that's not healthy or, you know. Yeah. And it's definitely very dry, which is nice. Yeah, you know? exactly. Marshall, what, what do you think of the nose on this? I mean, um, are, you, are you guys equal in terms of beer guys? Like you're both homebrewers. You think you're like really good tasters or is one of you more the beer guy another one we both have very different backgrounds with beer um i've been in and out of bartending for a good part of a decade probably um worked in pubs in london and in in dc so i come from uh bar serving uh beer serving sorry uh side eric is uh i've been drinking for at least 10 years (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah this one's really great the first thing i kind of thought of um is it kind of reminds me of like the Hofbrau Dunkel, where it's the same kind of dark beer, but it is really light, easy drinking. Um, it was full of flavor. Um, yeah, I like like this a lot. But put your nose in. What what is the nose? It's is that just the grain? I mean, there's something. I'm not as familiar with this type of hops. For what kind of hops did you use for this one? Sorry, what kind of <laughs> hops did uh? goes into this one uh halatau is the back uh, bone of, of the, so, the bitterness and then there's um you know a little bouquet of sriracha ace um okay cascade. so it is kind of a german background a little oh, bit. very much yeah, yeah. All, all, all of my beers are really a combination of german styles and american hence folks beer okay Correct. yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right and then and uh so you guys, three, let's go back to you guys. So you're making beer. It took a long time to get open. What was the big biggest hurdle? Was it just the size of your space? Were there, were there regulatory issues? Or I think it was sort of a little bit of all of it, which is I think we started off pretty modestly looking for basically a space that had a brewery and a big backyard. We wanted some outdoor area for drinking. And when we found the space that really fit for us, we started thinking about sort of all the things that could go on there. All of a sudden, the project sort of took a, a nice little life of its own. Construction definitely was uh, a big aspect of it. Um, trying to negotiate a lease in an area of Guanas, which is really up and coming. Uh, you know, there was a, a lot of people there that the building owners have been there for a while. Um, they're all great people. Uh, they want to make sure that the sort of buildings are transferring sort of the way they want it to be. So that took a while to sort of sort through. Um, and then for us, it was really about executing a vision. And the vision that we're, we are striving to sort of achieve is one in which we create a real community space, almost a rec center in, in many ways. Um, we put a lot of thought into sort of the, the beer enthusiast, and we also put a lot of thought into sort of the friends they bring along that may not be as far along in the beer journey. Um, and we wanted to do that both as a community space and also from the brewery side, um, a place where we can experiment, do a lot of R&D, have sort of immediate feedback, 
And then sort of the model of that also allows us to be much more strategic around sort of um, not just distribution, but in terms of quality control and allows us to really be fanatical around um, making sure that what we're putting out is really a, sort of not just adding to the noise. And that was in terms of mission statement, in many ways, it's community and then it's this idea that whatever we're putting out, whether it's in the brewery or it's in the physical space, it's not just something that's sort of adding to the sort of greater noise that's around. It's really hopefully worthy of the, the people that are drinking our beer. Do you think there could be a brewery or a brew pub in every neighborhood in New York City? I, I believe so, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I hope one day there is. Um, because it's such a great place for there to be meaningful conversation, for people to come together, for sort of new friends to be made in old neighborhoods. And um, we, we really hope that we become, in many ways, sort of a central place for the community and the sort of surrounding neighborhoods to sort of come together and congregate. Yeah, I mean, really just in a couple of years, there are some great breweries that have tasting rooms. Like last summer, we did some little barbecue events. We went to Gun Hill in the Bronx. Uh, we went out to the opening of Finback in Queens, and we went to Single Cut a couple of times. And I think in those areas in particular, that's like one of the few things for people to actually do, right? I mean, you're, you're at the end of the line on a subway. There's not a lot of restaurants, not a lot of bars. It's kind of a is, – is your neighborhood like that? You're, you're more – you've got some other things closer to you, right? We do. So so Guanas itself is a, is, is a great neighborhood. It's this combination of manufacturing and um, creative jobs there. Uh, recently read a study saying there's something like 3,500 creatives that are working in the neighborhood alone. Um, and in many ways right now, it feels some, like some of the other neighborhoods of 20 years ago where you don't see anyone walking down the streets, but you know that what's going on behind all the buildings is a lot of activity. Um, and we really hope that people begin to sort of come out during the daytime or after work and sort of draw to, to threes. Um, surrounding that's Park Slope, which is just right across from 4th Avenue. We've got Carroll Gardens, Cobble Hill, Borum. Um, you've got Brooklyn Heights. You've got Fort Greene. Uh, you've got you know, Red Hook a little further down. So we're about – we're even about – I think it's uh, seven blocks from Barclay Center. So from a location standpoint, we really have sort of a lot of sort of congregation around us, um, and we hope that everyone begins to congregate sort of in, in here. And as Guanas changes, we hope we become – um, a nice place for everyone to sort of continue. So when, when you rolled out the beer this week and it was a big deal, I, I talked with the guys from Pacific Standard. They said that they were looking forward to getting your stuff. Are you focusing on rolling it out in your neighborhood? So we're we're <clears throat> focusing with very, very limited self-distribution to start. <clears throat> you know, and that's, uh, first of all, a function of the size of our brewery and um, also, you know, we start with a focus on our space itself. And, uh, you know, we're we're distributing to places that we have pre-existing relationships with, like you, Jimmy, and uh, we're we're just kind of fostering those relationships through beer. And uh, you know, it, it's it's great to be able to kind of do a delivery and see old friends, and you know, explain the story of our beer to them. And uh, it just it just kind of makes sense. So we're, you know. We delivered to, I don't know, about seven places last week. Uh, we're delivering to, I don't know, two or three this week, maybe a few more next week. So it's going to be very, very limited to start. And, uh, you know, we're we're happy with that. We're comfortable with that. Um, you know, as it is right now, we're releasing beers in kind of groups together to allow, uh, you know, the bars to kind of give people a good feel for who we are as a brewery. Um you know, as I was saying before, we do have a very kind of heavy saison focus right now. But you know, we have a, a pale ale as well, and uh, 
you know, I think ultimately that helps draw people to our space and also kind of brings us into the kind of greater beer discussion. Um, you know, our, our friends at Other Half are making some really great beer right now. And, uh, you know, it's great to be served alongside of them in some of our favorite bars. So it, it's That's kind of great, like yeah. a twofold thing. Well, get, get your next beer ready. So for, uh, the next beer we have is uh, from Eric and Marshall at Braven. I know, and I can read their signs. <laughs> Braven! So well, this is pretty great. It's like a, it's a white IPA. Yeah, that's right. It's a white IPA, which Marshall and I discovered the style a couple years ago. We were on a, I'm going to call it a research tour, but it was actually us drinking in Colorado for a week. <laughs> and we, we saw a whole lot of beers that were coming out of the West Coast that I just had never seen before. And white IPA was a style that really stood out for us. Um, when we came back, we, we worked really hard on trying to come up with our own version of it. And there's so many factors that go into it. The grains that you're using could be... Any number of things, the hops, you could lean in one direction or another. The yeast is a big choice because that's going to give you a lot of Belgian characteristic or a lot of American. And this is where we landed. And the balance is on a very Belgian wit style body and a little bit of grain note, but all American hops and very clean American yeast. So the focus is on an easy drinking but very hop-filled flavor. So a lot of citrus up front, some pine all the way through. And like all the other guys are saying uh, so far, which is the theme I've seen today, easy drinking is the way to go for us. We love we love having a couple of them hanging out, have a social drink with a few friends. So for you guys to get your beer out, you have to have a distributor. Yeah, yeah. We um, were very lucky to uh, sign with SKI um, pretty early on. We signed with them in October, um, and they're really what is, makes this whole thing possible. Uh, we wouldn't really be able to uh, brew our beer with Saratoga and then distribute it around New York City. Uh, without our distributor. So uh, they've been really great to us. They've been focusing on um, um, promoting us as a local New York City beer. Uh, they've had a lot of import beers in their portfolio for a long time, along with a couple local ones like Queens and Radiant Pig. But um, now um, SKI, as well as a lot of other distributors, are seeing that you know the Americans, especially New Yorkers, want to drink local beers. And so... Maybe um, the import beers have lost maybe some of the market share a little bit. So, um, yeah, we're really lucky to be working with them, and they've been really great. Their whole sales staff is amazing. And do you think there's a stigma about being, having your own brewery versus being a contract brewer? Um, yeah, there is a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> I'll be upfront with it. Um, but we don't, we don't have an issue with it. Um, you know, part of uh, this whole process for us has been uh, – just constantly evolving. Um, we've probably had 17 different business plans by now, and we can't just settle on one because it didn't work. Um, so we have to kind of keep adapting uh, throughout this whole process. Um, our goal has always been to open a brewery in Bushwick. Um, there used to be over two dozen breweries in that neighborhood alone. That's where I live. I love the neighborhood, and we will have one there by the end of the year. Um, but we wanted to um, get our beers out there to start. And this is the, the the best process for us to make that happen. Well, it's really great, and it's super fresh. W- when was this beer made? We brewed it on December fifth. Yeah, yeah, and it was kegged up. Oh man, on December thirty. Uh, yeah, we were we were fighting the holidays. We were fighting the holidays to put everything together. So it was a twenty ninth, thirtieth, and then it shipped down last week, two weeks ago, and then distributed out, you know, a week ago. So we got this keg straight off the line and poured it in our kegerator in our office and brought it right here. All right, man. Congratulations. All right, and uh, folks, beer here. You want to say anything else about 
uh, what the scene? You know, you're you're not contracting. You're you're making your own. I beer. mean, tons of amazing breweries have started out contracting. I don't think there's any reason that there should be a stigma. You know, including Brooklyn Brewery. So you know, there's a great tradition of it, and someone ultimately is making the beer. You know, so at least they're making it with care and making it well. Right. Well, the reason I went, I asked that was because a couple of years ago, Greg Doroski, when he was just starting out, Jimmy was just a troublemaker. He did have yeah, we, we had just, uh, two dedicated shows about defining what contract brewing was, and uh, we've had a lot of good conversations about it. So I think this is a very well balanced. Uh, we have, and you know, you know I, I think if anything, over you know that was a number of years ago, we started that discussion. Uh, if anything, I think over time, I've come to realize that. You know, there, there's many different there's many different ways to do this, and uh, as long as you have a commitment to quality, as long as you uh, have some sort of ownership of the process, um, you know, my my hat's off to you. And I, I guess you know, it starts with making good beer. So, so it's in the glass, right? Yeah, it, it, you know, it All starts right. in the glass. Have a little and, more of that white yeah. IPA, breathing. Yeah. I like it. All right, we'll be we taking a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. And this one's called 1080p by Vesa. This is Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we've got a great show here. Three new breweries in Brooklyn, New York. Thanks to our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors. Um, we're talking with uh, Andrew and Greg. They just opened up Three's Brewing, and it's been long awaited. Uh, what about your pop-up? You're doing some kind of special food? Because you're definitely a brewer where our consumers and listeners can go to when they're in Brooklyn. So you're going to have, starting off with pop-up foods, right? Definitely. So what we've we've basically put in place for food is a residency program. And, and we believe in this idea, sort of philosophically, of this idea of residency, um, this sort of that people sort of spend some time in our world um, and begin to inhabit it. So we, we've built out a full kitchen. And unlike some traditional pop-ups or um, sort of food truck concepts where – um, it's sort of a, a, a few items or it's sort of for sort of a limited number of people. Um, the way we've done this is we've gone out to great restaurants, um, uh, great people that sort of have experience, cook amazing food, stuff that we love to eat. And we've asked them to come and sort of be in our kitchen and sort of share the space for a period of time. So um, we had Delaney Barbecue Brisket Town in for a couple of weeks. Uh, we think they're making some of the best brisket around right now in, in New York. Um, we just had the Meat Hook uh, in. Um, everything that came out of the kitchen was just incredible. Um, they're great butchers, uh, you know, over here in, with Brooklyn in the Brooklyn Kitchen um, combined space. Right now we have Roberta's in in house. Uh, they just started tonight. They'll be there um, for the next two weeks. Uh, after that, Mile End is coming in. Uh, they'll be that for a few weeks. And um, it's a really great thing. It allows us to sort of focus on the beer, on the bar, on programming, and really creating some diverse um, sort of events at the space and, and really get our feet underneath us as we're getting open. And it gets a chance for us to sort of interact with 
great people, professionals, and really see how they do it. Um, and so far, it's been an amazing experience. The neighborhood has really sort of enjoyed being able to sort of have food from places that aren't right there and sort of in the sort of the, the neighborhood. Um, so in some ways, we're sort of sort of expanding and uh, contracting provincialism a little bit. We're sort of bringing other places from New York closer to the neighborhood, but we're, you know we're sort of blending neighborhoods and sort of showing what's great in other neighborhoods and bring it bring it to sort of the Guanas area. So, so. Sounds great, man. And Greg, is this your IPA? Yeah, so this is a single tree IPA. Um, this is the second batch of it we've brewed. You know, it's brewed with El Dorado, Centennial, and uh, Amarillo hops. Um, we're kind of intentionally positioning it as a single IPA. It's only six percent alcohol, um, relatively low in bitterness for an IPA, but it does have all you know the nice kind of aromatic qualities. We hit it with two big dry hop additions. Kind of nice and citrusy and, you know, piney and, you know, it, it at only 6% for an IPA, it's, you know, relatively, you know, low in alcohol. You know, we kind of joke around that, you know, maybe it would have been better to present it as a pale ale, but, you know, we, we'd we like to kind of showcase pale ale as a little more than IPA light, and we'd like to showcase IPA as a little more than, like, super boozy, super hoppy, super aggressive. Um, so this beer allows us to, to do that. You know, that's not to say that we're going to not do a, you know, more traditional style IPA, West Coast style IPA, or a more traditional pale ale. Um, these were just kind of the directions we had, you know, kind of explored when we were doing our research and development Um you know, it sounds good. We you got mild end. You got reverters. You yeah, got beer. yeah, yeah. And we got beer. Good. You know what? What you know? Let, let's switch the conversation. Let's there. go to. Uh, so you guys are all, all fairly new. I'd like from each brewery a little anecdote or, or quick story about something that 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 really was great that happened or, or really bad that happened in the process of getting your beers to market. Let's start with uh, Marshall and Eric. Oh. <laughs> you got to talk <laughs> to the, the microphone, Marshall. On the spot. I'll I'll do bad if you want to do great. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, through through that brewing process, like I said, when we were up there uh, at Saratoga, the, they do things in two batches. You know, you have the first batch through, and then your second run comes through right after it, so the liquid's pushing through the whole time. you got to make decisions as it's coming. And as the first batch cooled down and hit the fermenter, we tasted it, and it was just – it was bitey. Like, there was, we couldn't figure out what was going on. There was still sediment floating around. The centrifuge didn't pull it all out. And we got scared that maybe we calculated wrong or the – the hops weren't quite what we thought they were. The spices were way off or something. And we had about, I don't know, an hour to decide what we were going to do because this next batch is coming through. The boil is going to start, and you got to make a decision. And this is this is our company on the line. You know, This is, this is how we're introducing ourselves to the world. Are we going to get it right? And we took a walk, and we decided we think it's the spices are too strong. We think that we were working with something weak at home. we got to make a call right now. We cut the quantities for the next run through. I think we cut it entirely. and just said, screw it. We're here. Let's just go with it. And the result is exactly where we want it to be. But that was one of those moments when you just think, okay, take a walk because this could be it. Yeah. And what about you, Travis? Uh, I have to say one of the best experiences that I had after working on the brewery for several years and making beer and going through the whole process was actually seeing the beer in customers' hands, seeing people drink the beer and enjoy it and seeing them order it by choice over and over again. It's a really small thing, but it's, it was really amazing and an amazing experience. So J- Justin, Justin's question was, uh, where can we find your beer now? 
consistently at Prime Meats, um, there's two styles there. They actually have the Echo Maker, which we tasted on a Nitro Tap, which is really excellent. And uh, the Morning Dew, which is the, the light ale that we put out as well. Uh, and then other than that, you can look for it at a lot of restaurants coming up. Um, Owl Farm has it intermittently. Margaret Harry has it. Uh, Glorietta Baldi has it off and on as well. All right, man. And about you, is Greg, uh, Andrew, anything really yeah, bad so that happened? I, you know, I, I think the probably the worst thing that happened to us, just quickly, was we almost burned the place down between friends and family and opening up. <laughs> but the best thing that happened, um, so in our opening process, we were actually able to get a few brews in the tanks, uh, I don't know, two, three months ago. And uh, then we had to stop, and our CFO was held up, so we couldn't uh, open the bar. Um, we had an IPA in the tank that we had brewed uh, as one of our early brews. And uh, as anyone knows, you know, time is not friendly to IPA. So we kind of came up with this idea to, uh, to smite the bright. We uh, pre-sold a bunch of growlers, uh, put invites out to a bunch of our friends, and... Uh, you know, the community, both the beer community and our local community kind of came together. And, you know, we we sold pretty much all of the beer on a one-day special event. You know, I was out doing one of Josh Bernstein's events. Uh, you know, I kind of came back later that afternoon. Our, our bar was packed. People were drinking the beer. And it was just, it was absolutely amazing. Because you kind of, you know, putting a project like this together, you know, everyone is kind of confident together and you kind of ride the highs and lows together, but uh, it's still very much within the group. But opening it up to the community, it was great to see kind of everyone kind of come together and support us. It was it was awesome. All right, man. Well, cheers to you guys. How about, why don't you guys ask some questions of each other? How about that? So, you know, Travis, you've been, you've been doing this a while. You worked in some restaurants, you know. What, what, what's a question that you have for these guys? Uh, my question to Braven is, what do you guys see for your future? What, you know, how soon do you hope to open up your brewery? And, and you know, what do you want it to look like? Yeah, Marshall, <clears throat> Marshall said it earlier. The goal has always been the Bushwick Brewery in the tap room. And... As soon as possible, of course, is is the the hope. But the timeline is actually sometime this year. So we're we're aiming for the summer, if at all possible. We've been in talks with a couple of different spaces, just a matter of which one clicks and we move forward on. Uh, but it's always been community based. Like it's come up a couple times, and like Jimmy said, I, every community could host a couple of breweries and a couple of brew pubs. This is a great culture. There's so much demand out there for people who want to try different things and walk around their neighborhood and pop in for a pint here, pop in for a pint there. And I think New York City and all the boroughs, Long Island, Westchester, can support that. And there's no question about that. It's a very populous area, and people appreciate quality goods, and it is a huge possibility, and it's highly underserved. Marshall, you have a yeah, question? And to kind of add to what Eric was saying, um, our goal for the brewery that we're doing in Bushwick is um, to be a little more diverse than just our flagships. We have uh, the white IPA to start, and we're doing a Bushwick Pilsner that is based on Pilsners that were made in Bushwick in the early 1900s, and then our Black Pale Ale is coming out. So those are our three consistent beers that we're going to be doing, but we're going to be doing, um, hopefully, another small three-barrel system, kind of like Folk's Beer, um, where we can get a little more experimental and just do um, one-offs, maybe, and do partnerships with restaurants and bars in the neighborhood in Bushwick um, so that we can expand beyond just our, our three big beers that'll be available year-round. I think a show we should do is a competition for the names. You know, someone's got Bronx Brewery, there's Brooklyn Brewery, but, like, who's got the name Bushwick Brewery? Does somebody own that? 
Does nobody own Bushwick Brewery? I'm not going to delve into trademark <laughs> law because we've we've inquired about this sort of situation, and uh, I think Bushwick Brewery hasn't been a thing in a hundred years or so. Uh, we want to be Bushwick's brewery. Uh, we're not calling ourselves Bushwick Brewery, not in that way, but that's definitely where we, that's where we're from, that's where we live, and that's what we're looking to do. And then, how did you come up with the name Threes for Threes Brewing? I think we just ended up really liking the number three, but um, we went through a lot of names, and naming a brewery can be as challenging as naming a beer, especially sort of with all the the names out there that sort of are already assigned to other people's beers and breweries. And for us, three was something – there are some obvious things. Our address is 333 Douglas Street. Um, We were sort of thinking about sort of the mystical nature of threes in every great culture, and – we were thinking about different words that enca- encapsulated it, and eventually it just sort of felt right. Three is sort of a plural and plural. We, we went with it, and um, it sort of picks up a lot of the different ways we approach things in terms of um, the different attributes that we, we believe in. And the style in, in, your, in your taste room, I saw some of the photos, it's kind of like uh, tourist s, like kind of modern, rustic. I mean, was, that, was there inspiration for your design? Well, the... Um, we, I think, in terms of some of the attributes or sort of materials um, that may reflect a little bit of sort of tourists and a few other sort of bars in the area, there we are contractors and and some of our the designers we used definitely were influenced by sort of that type of thing. Um, one of our designers was the same designer of tourists and of um, sisters and a, a few other places, Brisket Town, um, and. But it's a little bit of a different take. One is we are a manufacturing place, so no matter how sort of nice any sort of material ends up, we've got concrete on the floors and drains everywhere, and there's always that aspect. Um, the um, One of our designers, Ula Sandrinson, um, who had designed Sycamore Barn Flower Shop, which one of our partners, Justin Israelson, uh, owns, um, he really helped with the initial design, the layout, sort of the bar, the concrete bar. So it's a little bit of a mix of uh, sort of different influences and one that we were intimately involved with and sort of weighing in on every decision. For us, it was as much about sort of function as its design. Um, we have things. We are full bar. Um, we have our bar in front of our bright tanks. The big question is how do you clean bright tanks when you have a full bar right in front of it? So there were some clever solutions around creating sort of library ladder type of shelving to move. And that was sort of where really we were focusing, which is how do we actually just do all of this in the space and make it work? All right. Well, good luck to you guys. I mean, uh, it's like the Haiti, like we said. There could be a, a brewery in every neighborhood, every community, and, and, and I hope that's the case. And uh, good luck to you guys, Brave. And um, uh, off the top of your head, and again, one more question. What, what's a favorite beer? You know, you're, you're making your own beer. What, what's a favorite beer that, that's inspired you over the years, Marshall? Uh, and not from New York yeah, City. Yeah, no. Uh, we, I get that question asked a lot, actually. People always ask, what's your favorite beer? And... You know, you can have a lot of different answers for that. Um, personally, the one I go to, I go back to over and over, is uh, Fuller's London Pride. And that might be, seem like a random beer of all of all answers. But um, like I've mentioned earlier, I used to, when, after I graduated college, I moved to London and bartended in a standard London pub for a couple months. And that was the first one that like really turned me on to English ales. I was, I was just kind of blown away. I've like, never had a beer like that before. And it's kind of a nostalgic thing. You can't find it very often in New York City. And whenever I see it on draft anywhere, I'm like, I have to have that. That is that is one of my favorite beers. So 
I feel like beer can connect with people in different ways and bring them back to other places that they were in their lives. And that's what that always does it for me. And Travis, why the interest in Tyrol and German-style beers? Uh, you know, my own heritage and also, you know, just a passion for those styles of beer. You know, the first craft beer that I really loved, I, I went to college in southern Michigan, was Bell's. And back in 1994, I tasted Bell's Pale Ale, and, and it kind of blew my mind. It was really like the first, you know, interaction that I had with, with craft uh, beer. But also, you know, the beer in Germany is amazing. And, and to be able to bring a little bit of that culture and a little bit of that sensibility to the States is a, is a goal of mine as well. Well, I'll tell you, what's also nice about this new group of, of, of brewers and is that when we first started only five years ago, we'd ask that question, what, what's, what was your first beer? And it was always something like a 40-ounce or something. And so I stopped, <laughs> answering, I stopped asking that question. But it's nice here. At least you've had Fuller's and, and you've had Bell's. And uh, so that looks like things are looking up. Uh, Greg, any final thing you want to say? You know, we've had you on a few times. Uh, you know, uh, what, should I, we, what should we look forward to from Threes? Uh, three, you know, year. we have a bunch of stuff that we started aging in barrels a while ago uh, with different fruit um, that that's coming up to be ready. We're starting to uh, do some limited bottling. Um, so we're just kind of – we have a lot of big plans, and we're just starting to kind of roll them out. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're going to see our table beer in bottles very soon. Uh, you're going to see a beer that we uh, aged on raspberries very soon. You're going to see a beer that we uh, – Aged on Chardonnay juice uh, very soon, and uh, you know we we have we have some exciting things in the works, and uh, you know one of the great things about having our space is we can brew many different types of beer and direct them to many different sorts of people. So we have some very approachable stuff. We have some stuff that's uh, you know kind of funkier and more sour, and uh, you know we we hope to have a little bit of something for everyone and uh it allows us to kind of explore different styles and explore you know the our, our own tastes well cheers man thanks for coming on everybody hey um we're looking forward to new york city beer week it's going to be in february 20th the kickoff is something we helped organize it's going to be at 100 uh, top beer bars in new york city you're going to go and toast with your with your peers and friends and and that's how new york city's kicking off beer week this year so there's a lot going on there's the opening party on february 21st there's new york city brewer's choice on february 24th and most of all you're going to go to any number of really good beer bars and breweries which is kind of the the new fun thing in new york city so in closing i'd like to thank our sponsors at union beer distributors who've helped bring this podcast to you tonight thanks to all of our guests including travis greg andrew marshall and eric for joining me here on the heritage radio network i'm jimmy carboni thanks to our producers maggie seiden and justin kennedy and to our engineer jack insley thanks for listening we'll see you next time on beer sessions radio all right Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.